0: Welcome to Psalm Springs, a podcast dedicated to an open and hopefully inspirational discussion of the biblical book of Psalms. We come to you each week with different aspects and different views of the ancient text and how those texts might inform our lives today. Welcome to another episode of Psalm Springs, where together with many of my friends and colleagues here in Palm Springs, California, we've been discussing, studying, praying, Uh, Many of the 150 psalms from the Hebrew Bible, our goal is simple, to find inspiration, to find knowledge, to find wisdom in the ancient writings of the Book of Psalms, those 150 poems and prayers that deal with so many different situations in life. A few months ago, I got together with my good friend and teacher, Pastor Tim Edmondson of Hope Palm Springs to discuss one of the Psalms, and uh, of course little did we know that we would be under the situation of um, social distancing that we're under now, and and that's why this particular recording doesn't address the situation. But I did think to give this short introduction, uh, we're going to talk about Psalm 62 as, uh, as Pastor Tim will introduce. But I wanted to say that um, the word that we dwell upon probably the most in this discussion is in Hebrew, harpu, that is to let go, to release. And um, perhaps that's a a one-word meditation we might do together for just a minute or so. And think about the things that we might be able to release in this time of staying at home and not seeing and touching the people who we love. A time to release a bit of our ego and to think about the needs of others, to be in touch with them. time for us to release our anxiety about what will be medically, financially, socially. A time for us to release, to let go, and know, as the psalm says, God. So I hope you like this recording. Uh, you can find more about... Uh, Pastor Tim, who is uh, at um, Hope Palm Springs, a church that opened up, opened its doors, so to speak, a year ago last Easter, uh, and they pray at the Temple Isaiah um, on Alejo in days when people are praying together. Uh, you can find everything you want to know about them at Springs oneword.org, and uh, you'll find them to be a wonderful, open, and affirming community. So we wish you well, and I hope you enjoy this particular episode of Psalm Springs. You've chosen Psalm 46 for us to discuss today, and before I ask you to explain uh, what drew you or what draws you to that psalm, could you read it for us in the translation of your choice?
1: Absolutely, and uh, I'm using the New Revised Standard Version here. And this is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city, It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I'm exalted among the nations. I'm exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge.
0: What a moving and beautiful reading, Pastor Tim. Thank you, Rabbi. what, What draws you to this song?
1: Oh, there's two things about it that I, I really, uh, why, the reason why I chose it. One is it's, it's kind of a, a Lutheran psalm. <laughs> it was one of Martin Luther's favorite, uh, psalms. And back in the early 1500s, uh, he went to this psalm and, uh, found it to be profoundly applicable to the struggles that the church was facing at that time. And it was this psalm that became the inspiration for that little well known Lutheran uh, hymn, A Mighty Fortress Is Our God.
0: Or as it was uh, originally titled, Ein Feistburg Burg ist unter Gott. <laughs>
1: Ein Fest <Feistburg>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: uh, that, yeah, I, I, I took a look at that. Uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of fighting going on there,
1: There's, I
0: guess, reflecting his own life and his own uh, revolution, eh?
1: Right, absolutely, you know, and that's one of the beautiful things about this psalm, not only did it speak to the day and the time when it was, was written uh, as part of the, the Hebrew hymn book, um, but here Martin Luther took it uh, centuries later and created another hymn out of this hymn. And, and of course, I, I think it's such a beautiful song for things that are going on today. Mm-hmm. The other reason I chose it is because of one verse in that psalm, and that's verse 10. Um, Be still and know that I am God. And uh, just personally, what a, what a beautiful invitation and reminder that is for me as a person of faith. Um, to be centered in my my own understanding of spirituality, you know, I've done retreats just on that one verse, and the first the first session is "Be still and know that I am God." The second session is "Be still and know." The third session is "Be still," and the fourth session is just "Be."
0: Wonderful. So the Hebrew there—that's the Hebrew there—is harpu, and other translations would render this. Um, let go. Yes. So be still, let go. They're not exactly the same thing, but of course, biblical poetry, as in all poetic language, is uh, is what it is because of the, the the possibilities, the multiplicity of possibilities of understanding. So I like the fact that that one word harpu can mean both be still and also let go, and perhaps the interconnection between those two.
1: Oh yeah. I, when you think of stillness, I, I don't think we ever, we ever can enter into a state of stillness unless there is something that we let go of, even if it's just the noise in our life. And they, they, do, you, do you know what the Hebrew word is for no? Yes, yeah. udu'u,
0: which is, is less, uh, in, it's not, there aren't that many possibilities to interpret it, but it's No. No. What, what is your translation? Well, also no.
1: my understanding of, of that Hebrew word is it's not about an intellectual grasping of, of, of who, what God may be. Um, it's, it's about an internalization, um, embodiment of, of a truth that one takes into oneself. Mm. Um, so thus less intellectual and more something that becomes part of your essence, part of your being
0: well the same verb is the one that is give, gave birth to the biblical uh knowing as in sexual contact correct right so perhaps uh perhaps that is it's more than the intellectual knowing but a knowing with your being as well yes uh the the psalm i think is also an attractive one because it does recognize the tumult of of life uh you, you probably know that many Modern commentators, not just modern, even medieval Jewish commentators, some of them um, wanted to pinpoint exactly when this psalm was said. Right, and Correct. so the defeat of San or uh, Sanchariv uh, defeating, uh, you know, the, the northern kingdom and
1: the Assyrians right? and and all yes, and
0: and so they want to pinpoint the particular war. Others. Uh, have thought that perhaps it, it reflects an, a, a, a huge earthquake that happened in the land of Israel at a particular time. But would you agree with me that it was probably meant, or certainly for us it means, it's more about um, social and emotional earthquakes than uh, geological earthquakes?
1: Well, I, I think the answer would be yes. But I also think that the whole verse, the first verse of this song That talks about though the earth should change, the mountains shake, waters roar, you know, oh my golly, I think of, I think of Hurricane Dorian, you know, and, and in our Lutheran uh, understanding of brokenness, we also include all of creation, not just persons, but that all of creation knows the tumult Mm. that you, you mentioned. And, and so there is kind of this, this first verse that speaks about the universality of this brokenness and how even the earth experiences it. And then the second verse goes more to sort of a nationalistic uh, sort of uh, uh, focus. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, but, but I totally would agree with the idea that, that when we read Psalms like this, and especially when they become a. Part of our personal piety, you know, they're part of our, our collective piety as faith communities, mm-hmm. but also, as I said, even that verse 10 is something about my own personal piety. So, I definitely see that um, emotional uh, and uh, just challenges that life brings to us as individuals.
0: In your church liturgy, uh, does this come up as the psalm itself or only in the, in the form of Luther's hymn?
1: Oh no! It it's it's our song for guess which Sunday, uh, for Reformation, mm. Reformation Sunday. And when so, is that? That would be uh the last Sunday of October, because Reformation is uh, All Hallows Eve, which would have been the night before All Saints Day, uh, which would be November first, right. and so we celebrate the Reformation. Uh, oh, and end of October, and then of course we have All Saints' Sunday, the the first Sunday of November.
0: Yeah. So you know, um, I, I didn't, I did not really grow up uh, knowing a lot about Christianity, and far more, far more about Judaism. And uh, my first exposure to Luther, even before I fully read about the Reformation, the little that I do know of that was in my studies of Bible, of Hebrew Bible, at Hebrew University in the 80s. And seeing uh, a number of times, especially in commentaries to the book of Esther, and afterwards when I went into apocryphal literature as well, what we call apocryphal literature in the book of Maccabees, the two books of Maccabees, uh, this quote, this is the most famous quote in Jewish circles of Luther. I don't know if you know this quote or I don't know if you knew it was so famous in Jewish circles, is that he says... I wish and pray that there were two books that were not in our canon. And of course, this canon is, is the Catholic canon, the original Catholic canon that included the book, the Apocryphal books, the Book of Esther and the Book of Maccabees, mm-hmm. because they're so Jewish. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, of course, reading that as a young man uh, in Israel, uh, it, it sounded a little bit anti-Semitic, I guess. And there have been studies since then as to, uh, the anti-Semitic aspects of Luther Luther's work. Um, I, th- I think it's important for me as a rabbi to to say whatever those aspects are and how they're dealt with by historians. They cannot in any way overshadow the the essence of 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 the movement right of the Reformation.
1: Right, and and I wanna I wanna validate something that you're saying there because Lutherans also are aware of some of those. Um, references to and, and I I think what we what we try to do with that is to recognize that uh, um, you know Martin Luther is is not a perfect hero of our denomination um, and he was a product of of a culture in a day and time back then um, and so we would not take everything that Luther said as this is the foundation of our Lutheranism. Uh, we certainly uh, know about history uh, in Germany uh, and uh, throughout the world when it comes to Judaism and, and even Christianity. Um, so, But what, what we focus on with Luther is uh, his understanding of God's grace, um, that he, he believed that we were indeed um, that there is nothing that we can do on our own to to make our salvation happy happen. Um, that is a, it is a gift of God's grace. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I I think there's some tension there, and that's always created some tension, a little bit of tension between Lutherans and and the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so there, there are things to repent of. <laughs> well, I, I have my
0: uh, my first exposure to a Lutheran community was in a small town in Texas, which I'll, it will remain unnamed, as will be clear from the story. Perhaps I don't want to get them in trouble at all. And uh, there was a Torah scroll that the Jewish local Jewish community had. It wasn't a synagogue, a temple, a congregation. It was a loosely knit group of families, Jewish families, in this area. They had a Torah scroll, and they wanted to read it together uh, with the Lutheran community. The pastor was very open to this on one Sunday. And we met Saturday night to talk about how it would go. And as we're meeting, we're standing in the back of the church. He says to me, he says, of course, you'll walk with us in the procession, won't you? And I never thought of it. Realized that walking in the procession means walking behind Grand the cross, cross yes. with a Torah scroll, thinking that might be difficult for some people in other worlds to see, but it felt like the right thing to do. And then I said to him, Where will I read? From where will I read this scroll? And the scroll, of course, is, you know, I don't know, four feet long, however long it is. And he says, Well, I thought you'd read it at the, at the lectern. I said, Yeah, the lectern, you can get a book. You can't, I can't get the scroll in the lectern. So I said, should we bring out a table? And he says, Well, maybe you could read it on the altar. And I said, Are we allowed to do that? He says, I don't know, but who's going to tell on us? <laughs> and sure enough, I read, I read the story of the burning bush. I chanted from the Hebrew, the traditional chant with the, the trope, and um uh, and read and read that passage in that particular Lutheran church. So I had a a very very good first experience, and it's only gotten better.
1: Well, that's a that's a beautiful story, you know. And uh, I think I think when we when we look at our commonalities, there are there are many between Christianity and Judaism, and I'm going to throw uh, Islam in there as well. You know, we're all we're all monotheistic um, uh, faith communities. We all believe in in one God, and we have so much more in common. Of course, our traditions are go back to the same time and place. Um, so I I regret that so often there are these perceived differences, and and uh, you know we are my understanding, and I believe I also represent a large part of my faith community is that God calls us to be in relationship with all people uh, of creation. Uh, and that includes people that, that are different than me in their ideology and their understanding and their, their theology and their faith backgrounds. Uh, and we, we are called to be in, in one human family. Mm-hmm. And I think God smiles at that.
0: Absolutely. Is I, there anything else in the psalm that, 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 that comes up? I noticed that in your translation. Um, at least the way you read it, it doesn't have some of the instructions that are part of the format of this psalm that are in the original Hebrew and are reflected in many translations. For instance, there's a title for the lead player for the Korachites, the children of Korach, who was the one who rebelled against Moses and Aaron in the desert. And then on the Alumot, a song, Alumot, does that mean a musical instrument or is it? Is it, are they f- uh, female singers? Uh, and then there's the uh, refrain that comes up three times of Sella, Correct. Right. Uh, and, and so I noticed you didn't read that, and read, which, which was correct in the way you were reading it. It would have gotten in the way.
1: More than, usually in, in our faith tradition, we would leave those out as... Uh, as enhancements of, of some of the text as opposed to the actual direct psalm and those are actually on in the, the writing that I read from here ah, um, and uh, yeah I'd love to hear your take on Selah and what that means yeah, because I, I know it's very very speculative. It's extremely
0: <coughs> speculative and I have had a number of conversations usually at a coffee house somebody I meet by chance uh, with people from Either evangelical or Baptist or, um, miss, uh, messianic Jewish backgrounds, not to lump them all together, but those seem to be the ones that want to talk about Sela and what could be the deepest meaning of Sela. And I don't have the heart to break it to them that it's just a, I think it's just a musical notation. That's all it is. Or, so you know, it, and, and, it, and, it, and it's what, what I like about it and that it's still in our text is that it, it, it tells us there was a zitzim leben, there was a place in life in which this psalm was originally said, or was said at least in ancient times. It was in the temple. It was part of the liturgy of the temple. There were people singing were mm-hmm. musical instruments. There was a conductor. Yes. Uh, and not to say that reading it poetically is not as good. It, I think for us very often it's better. But um, to understand where we're coming from, and that these psalms were said in a very different time, very different reality, and yet we still find meaning and, uh, and sanctity here today.
1: Correct. It, it's the hymn book of the, of the Hebrew people, you know. And uh, I've always said if you want to find out what a faith community is about, look in their, look in their hymnal, mm-hmm. because it will tell you. Uh, and yes, and I agree with you on Selah. I, I used to think it was an exclamation of praise or and like an alleluia or a hallelujah. And, uh, but I think you're right. It's probably something much simpler than that. The interesting thing about this psalm and what happens sometimes is they add the refrain to the first verse, and but that's not in the original Hebrew. Um, it's added here, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge it's added after the second verse,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: also after the third verse. So,
0: Okay, well, Pastor Tim, this has been a lovely discussion. We we will continue to study together, to work together. We want to thank you, Pastor Tim, for joining us today.
1: And Rabbi David, I thank you for not only this time with you today, but the partnership that we share in this community. It's a, it's a beautiful thing.
0: Amen, Selah. Amen psalm springs is a production of or Hamid bar light of the desert an organization dedicated to intellectual spiritual and social engagement with the jewish tradition we're based in palm springs california and we'd like to give thanks to madalina garza for editing and everything else tech-like in this production please check us out at www.orhamidbar.org for more information and if you'd like to sponsor a psalm springs episode you can do so by going to our website. If you like what you've heard, please express it on iTunes, Apple, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.